everybody, and welcome to the greatest 45 minutes to an hour and 10 minutes of your lifetime every week. It's the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast Under the Radar. With me, as always, is a guy who requested a rant before the show, Ian Kai. That is me, but it won't be a rant. It'll be a rant-ish, ranty, ranty, rant-like, but not a rant. And a guy who somehow has his photo up as his uh, DVR. How'd you do that? We just have our names. You got your photo. <laughs> I don't know. I think I merged my Zoom account with a Google account at some point. So then it, nice. it puts a headshot there. Yeah. I'll tell you, you guys are handsome. You guys are good looking. Oh, uh, yeah. Says the actor. All right. Thanks, well, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true, says Marty Decker. All right. Hey, probably my favorite role. I have to. I have to say, every time you bring up Marty Decker, it brings a little smile to my face. I have to say, let's do this. You guys ready? Yes, sir. Programming note: This is our last uh, weekly show. I guess DVR put into the rundown without discussing with us. So is that true? We're gonna go bi-weekly. Oh snow! Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that. Aww. <laughs> I kind of feel like. Well, can we discuss that? Because yeah, what a way to spring it on your friends, man. I mean, DVR, is that, is that hard and fast? I mean, has that been decided? No, I just put it in there because that's what we did last year. Yeah, I just kind of feel like maybe we should do one next week and then, you know what I mean? Like, just kind of recap because... Because that'll land us a Halloween. Yeah. You know, we'll have a Halloween right. show if we do it that way. That's in play. We can do that. It wouldn't be. No, it would be like October 15th. Yeah, and then two weeks after that is the 29th. Ah, uh, I see. Now I see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see what you did. Because yeah, DVR, we got, the, we got the side bets. We got to have a side bets show. All next Good week, call. side bet show. And I've got a lot of stuff that's going to be playing out over the course of this week. And I, I think that by the time, if we if we don't do next week's show, the emotion that I'm going that I'm excited to discuss will will certainly have dissipated. Better have dissipated by then. I mean, I, I you know what I'm saying. So there's a lot to lot to lot to go still. I think. All right, but we'll we, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we, yeah. Sorry, we didn't mean to question you publicly, DVR. That was rude. Yeah, no, that yeah. wasn't right. I feel bad about that actually. No. I was actually more concerned that you guys were just going to bail. So uh, we could do a show next Wednesday. Sir. What? Come on. There's no bail. This is a bailless situation. This is like a, the most, 50, most fun 55 minutes of the fine week. By the way, speaking of bailing, Mount Vernon won't stop sending me things. <laughs> asking. They sent me a calendar this week with a note like asking for more money. Almost in like a demand. Wait, did they, did they actually send it in the mail or was it an email? No, I got a calendar. They sent me a legitimate in my hands oh, calendar, man. which did not feature Ian. Co- I'll, well, I'll mail it to you. Nah. Yeah, I want it. You're yeah. not in it. I was disappointed. There's no, some other Washington. No, I wouldn't be in it. No, 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 no. Well, I have some good Mount Vernon stories. I've got some good stories After there. Hours. That, we can save that for the offseason. All right, yeah. Because we're going to have to, you know, there's only a little bit more time left for us to actually uh, talk baseball. And then we're going right. to get back to talking fun stuff like rhubarb. And I think we'll probably do some After Darks, too. I assume that would be kind of fun, actually. Offseason After Darks, yeah. Yeah. After darks. Yes. On today's show, we're going to get an update, I guess, on where we are in our leagues. I had a pretty bad finish, but I think Triple Crown, we're still kind of sort of alive. Uh, we're going to talk about Lewis Brinson for 25 minutes because he's awesome. Uh, a couple pitcher versus pitchers. We got a couple questions from listeners. We got Nick Pavetta, question mark, and Stephen Brault, exclamation point, which I believe Ian put in there. That would be me. Yeah, that would, you, you didn't IK it this week. I don't know what's Sorry about was. that. Um, I'm assuming, Ian, did you put in Yadiel Hernandez had a walk-off home run last night? That would not be me. DVR! It was awesome. Did you, you guys didn't watch that? I thought of, I thought of Nando immediately. I, got a, I, I assume everyone here has read the Britt Garoli story about him, which is amazing. Like He smokes cigars after batting practice, and it's just this amazing story. You know, undersized, counted out, was the, the minor league player of the year last year. So 
Britt and I are actually a minor, I don't even know if you would call it minor, but we're trying to get tops to make a card out of him. Because part of her story was he smokes cigars, doesn't even have a baseball card. Um, and so tops now, well, no, I think they release him at one o'clock. Uh, should hopefully I will buy 10 of them. It's just like the Fauci card just to have Yadiel Hernandez you, should get it. You don't card. have to mail that one though. It's fine. Come on, man. You don't, you want all you have. No, of you course know, I do. Don't come and my Fauci in, card in 10 years. Right here on my window a ton of money. Then fine. Yeah. Listen, I've got my Fauci right next to my DeMarcus Evans who hit somebody that bothered me because I don't remember who he hit, but he hit somebody who kind of knocked me knocked, came out of the lineup because of that, which was problematic. Well, that's, isn't that ironic? <laughs> that our official uh, relief pitcher of under the radar took out a guy and ruined your season. They didn't ruin the season yet, but I mean, there's the, that's we'll we'll get to that. Very very right. exciting. Yeah. What's that? Is that part What's of the that? rant? Oh, that's it. Oh, I was going to get into things. So actually, I think it would be good. Like Yadiel Hernandez next year might not be relevant. I, mean, I hope they trade him, man. There's no way he's going to crack that outfield, but it would be cool if he's relevant somewhere. Except, you know, do you think there's going to be a DH in the NL next year? There's a lot of talk I would about love that. It. Like, I would love that. I think. I'm, you know, I wouldn't mind next week if we can put into the rundown like a discussion of all the rules and how we think that they've played out best and worst, and like what we should, if we were, you know, masters of the universe, if what we would keep and what we would get rid of, I would keep most of these rules. Yeah. I, so uh, I don't, I don't know if I love the extra innings rule. Love it. I'm sorry. No, wait. I love the extra innings rule. I don't love the seven inning doubleheader rule. I love the seven inning doubleheader rule. Wow. Ian, you used to be a purist. What happened? No, no, I, I just, I, I, I am alone on this. A lot of people I really respect are like, oh, this is terrible. For me, it's like, because it, it reminds me, a seven-inning baseball game just makes, it just condenses everything. It makes your starter that much more important. I don't know. I, I enjoy it. I like the seven-inning. I like the seven-inning doubleheader. I really do. DVR, DVR what, preview what next think? week. I like it. Right? Do you hate any of these DVR? I think the extra innings base runner should start at first and not second because you should have two ways of kind of taking control of the inning. You should have the double play ball. I mean, the strikeout is obviously the way you want to start the inning with a runner on second because then a productive out only moves the runner to third and then they can't score on a sack fly. But I think starting that runner at first would be a happier medium between not having a runner on base and starting him at second. Yeah, but all the pickoffs, the pickoffs will add 20 minutes to every game. No, come on yeah, now. Come no, on. I kind of off so no, yeah. twenty minutes. Second base. Nah. Second base or no. bust. Well, I don't know. You know, second base or bust. I kind of like that. I like I like that first base idea because the only problem that I'm running into is you got closers who come in and they're giving up easy, quick earn runs, which seems unfair. You know what I mean? Because they get charged with that run. Like they could strike out two guys, give up a boop. That's a, that's reached on error. The guy who's on second reached on error. Is that right? No, I don't think that's right. No, that's an unearned run. They have not been charging those runs to pitchers. I am wrong. Yeah. I am wrong. I am wrong. Often, but there. I'm calling it out. Wrong. Con. Wrong. Wrong con. Wrong con. If we get some slaps? No. What? Like slaps? Slap? You want me to slap myself? Yeah, slap, like, you know, no, the sound effect. No. That'd be nice. No. Wait, the, the idea that, like, I think just me saying wrong con, wrong con is pain enough. It seemed I mean, like you were going to hit yourself. Was... No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, you got to protect the face. Got to protect the face. No. <laughs> just, no, I'm not going to do that. But I will take full responsibility. Wrong con, wrong con. Do you guys want to talk Triple Crown? Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Do you God. not want to triple talk Triple Crown. Crown? I enjoy this Triple Crown. Nando, did you? I have a question. Did you make any pickups this week in Triple Crown? No, we got like three guys back from the IL, so I didn't see a need to. And I don't have any Sweet, money left. Because either. I checked in. I checked in at like 930. You had done nothing. I checked in on Brett Sayers. 
He had done nothing. I called Brett Sayre. I was like, yo, Brett, what's up? What do you got? And he's like, no, no, I'm getting to it. I got, you know, I've got till 12 o'clock. I was like, okay, okay. He was like, you know, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm doing it. I was like, we have actually have a chance to win this thing. Because at the time, I was in second place. I had 108.5. Uh, Cause is up at 130. And But I had a chance to, like, hold second place. And if Nando hold, you know, like, we could win the Triple Crown, which would be pretty spectacular. Because Nando right now is in fifth. Solid fifth. Solid a fifth. chance to get to fourth yeah. or third. Yeah. You're not getting past third. Um, I am, I was in, we, well, you, you, I was in second number boy, James Anderson, ding, he's got second place and I am jousting with Jeff Erickson and Jen's dad uh, and DVR is actually climbing up behind me. So I'm in fourth right now, but I think I'm going to get to third, could pop back up to second. I don't even know what happened to me last night. And then in NL, our boy, Brett, our partner in crime, Brett Sayre is, hold on, it's worth a look. I think he's in third. Does that give us a chance, DVR? Where are you overall? I'm third. I just updated the standings just now, and I'm looking at... There's a couple things that can happen. Brett Hershey and Ray Murphy are probably 90% to win the whole thing. They've got a nice lead. Yeah, they're doing really well. The that thing doesn't that mean we happen, give up, though, Ian. Hell no. That's no, right. no. Everyone's going to play it. Like, here's the thing. like In the NL League, there's only eight standings points between second and fifth and because we have mm-hmm. extra weights on first second and third for the value of finishing in those spots they could the- theoretically lose five points in the nl league mm-hmm. so if they lost five there they'd be within reach for cause for me i think everybody else is just barely out of reach if there was another week or Are we two, out of reach i think you might be I-, I can't i mean you can't say that officially but i just think with the way like brent and ray are First in AL, second in NL, and they got 10 points in mixed, so that puts them in, in sixth right there. They could gain a point in mixed. They're probably not going to lose a point in mixed. I could gain a little ground in mixed. If I gain ground in mixed and those guys lose mm-hmm. a few points in NL, I can beat them, and I think Kaz could, under similar circumstances, win the whole thing, too. Kaz is going to win GDD, too. Kaz has had a season, huh? Steve Kazalino yeah, is shout killing out. it. If he starts writing, he should be in Tout Wars. Let me be the one to say it. Um, I agree. If he, you know, I mean, he he's proving himself against the. I, I'd like to think. So, w- can that lead into my rant because it's sort of related? Uh, actually, it's a good time to do that because my garage door just went up. So go. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> go for it. So in GDD, I'm, I'm pretty solidly in second place in that league, right? So Kaz is going to win. He's at 129. I'm at 109. Cushing is in third with 102. You guys, not uh, Blood Orange, is falling a bit. DVR, dead. Not, not this. Yeah, pretty dead. Um, so I'm in second, solid second. In uh, in Maki, which is the league that I do with Derek, solid second. I'm solid second with a, I'd say, a 20% chance of taking the taking the win. RDI, uh, the Rotowire Dynasty Invitational, James Anderson, Ding, and I are jockeying between second and first with Brett Sayre. Triple Crown, we just discussed. And then Tout Wars. So Tout Wars, I'm in first place currently, but... I, it's it's like that feeling, you know, when you've got the relievers are in and you're up four to three and it's the ninth inning and the bases are loaded and there's nobody out and your pitcher just looks gassed. That's what my team feels like right now. So I'm like dealing with the emotions of all of these second place finishes. And I've got the good thing is my deal, my dynasty league team, which I share now with Robert Mershek, which has been my like long term me versus Cushing. <sighs> 
That is in rock-solid position, 144 points out of 150. We've got it. It's locked up. But the rest of these, over the course of the next four or five days, you know, how do we deal with this, right? There's the old Pat Riley version of there's either winning or misery, right? Well, that's not a very good way to live your life. It's not what I teach when it comes to Little League Baseball, when I'm coaching kids. It's not about that. You know, is it good enough to be number two in five leagues, even Tout Wars? Like, if I can win Tout Wars this year, it's my second year in Tout Wars. I won the championship last year. If I was able to repeat my first two years in Tout Wars, that would be, like, amazing. It would be great, and it would be something that I would be very proud of for the rest of my life. But I don't think it's going to happen, to be honest. And I don't think I'm going to be, you know, Brett Sayre is in first place with James and I, like a half point between us and Roto-Wire Dynasty Invitational. I'm desperate to win. We, James and I have been trying to win this league for three years and we've been in the top two or three. How do you guys handle that when you're in second place? Do you have a moment of sort of like, hey, you know what? Great season, just I didn't, I wasn't able to go over that final line. Or do you feel like a failure that you did not make it all the way to the top and get the brass ring? I take the money. I'm happy with the money. I'm happy if I'm in third and I get my entry fee back. Okay. I'm not looking at second place as a failure, but I feel more disappointed than happy. Like, even though second place in a 15 team league or even a 12 team league, that's a great season, especially if you're playing in a competitive league, right? If you're playing in an NFBC league, you're playing in an industry league, you're playing against a league of smart mm-hmm. friends, whoever it might be, second place is a good year. Like, there's no doubt about that. But I think the disappointment of being close and looking back and saying, you know, if I'd made this pickup instead of that pickup, if I had gone this route instead of that route on draft day or on auction day, my team would have been different. I think those are the things that really start to weigh on me once these things go final. But yeah, protecting a lead in the final week, especially in a shortened season where you know that the standings are not as locked in as they ordinarily would be, it's more of a sweat this year for sure. I mean, I've I've got a lead in Tout Wars. I think at one point it got up to 20 about a week ago, and I'm looking at it and like, there's no way I'm winning by 20. Like there's my team's not like that great. It's a nice team. I've had a lot of good waiver pickups that have kept it together, kind of worked around injuries. And looking at the standings last night, the lead was already cut to seven. It's actually at eleven and a half as of this morning, or ten and a half. That's good. It's You're good. in position, bro. It's good, but if Carabell and, and Jeff Zimmerman and the teams that are, are chasing me can get within seven on any given day. All it needs to do is get cut down to five to seven one day and cut down to two to three the next, and then they can yep. win. So, it's And I'm not in that safe. position right now with Ariel Cohen. Ariel? Ariel? Ariel. There's a way to say it. Ariel. Thank you. I want to say it right. Um, and Andrea. 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 What's her last name? What's what's Andrea's last name? Andrew Lamont. 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 Yeah. Lamont. I just remembered. It just came back. Sorry. Great respect for, for her, the way she plays the game. She's great. The three of us have been like jockeying but i've held first place i think in this nine week season i think i took over first place in week four and i've held it every week right so every week starts with me on top and right now i've got a two-game lead over andrea andrea it's really it's andrea it's not andrea (laughs) okay andrea sorry and a three-game lead over Mr. Cohen, let's just go with that. It's called REL. Just picture it as the letter R, the letter E, and the letter L. How did he get you with that one? Oh. Well, because I did a play, The Tempest, many years ago. Ariel play the Tempest. Is the girl is the, is a girl role, and, and I just wanted to be respectful of him. He's a great player, and so REL is down three three games to me. I'm and, and two games from 
Andrea. And so I'm sort of, <laughs> you're, and I'm You're sweating. not going to be able to finish this story without pausing before every name now. This is amazing. Right. No, I'm, I'm not going to say their names anymore. But, but the point is that like I, so two game lead in head to head is probably like a five point lead in a Roto. But dude, they came out smoking this week. I mean, they came out, they, their pitchers and pitching is so huge in this. And Monday, I didn't sleep. I was so upset. Because Monday, I had Kyle Gibson going, and I had uh, Johnny Cueto going. Now, you don't get dinged too bad if they blow up. You just need them to get innings. Like, that's the whole point. They had John Lester going, which was a fantastic pickup, I think, by Ariel. And then Andrea had Stephen Brault last night. But Monday night, man, I, like, couldn't sleep. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I had, like, a bad actor's nightmare dream where I wasn't prepared, which I know had everything to do with what was going on in Tout Wars. And I woke up Tuesday. I was like, you know what? No, I can't. I can't let my life be. I can't have the next six days of my life be wrapped up in how these guys do. I just can't do it. Because also, it's not going to change anything. Like, I'm going to make my lineup changes on Friday. Nothing's going to change. Everything's all set up. You just got to let it roll. And like, you got to let it play out. And it is going to be at this point what it is. And that's why I want to talk about this. It's like, what is it like in fantasy leagues at the end, especially in a shortened season like this, where teams are probably closer, where it's like, you know what? I can't give over my whole life. I can't give too much. As much as I've cared about this over the course of the season, I've done all that I can. And it can't be about winning and losing at this point. I think that's the theory that I'm trying to go with here. Now, some people might say, well, yeah, because you're a freaking loser, dude, because you've got five second place finishers. And if you were better at the game, they'd be first. Maybe. You may be right. But I just don't think that's a happy way to enjoy the game. I think in, I think part of this is enjoying the game. I remember last year when Clay Link and I were in the finals against each other in a head-to-head. And both of us, it was a two-week finals. We were doing the show at the time. Remember, I was like sweating every minute of it, right? And Clay and I were just like texting each other, oh my God, this is the worst and the best and the worst and the best. There has to just be more of a balance to it. That's, how, that, that's my rant for the week is that we got to find a way to – That was way more than release. two to three minutes that you asked for. Yeah, sorry about that. But it's we've got to find a way to release from the result in everything in life. Life can't be about – because if you – I teach this to the baseball kids. It's like you can't care if you win or lose because there's so much like – got a kid who's going to cry if we lose the game. It's like that can't be what it's about. It wasn't because of you that we lost. And even if it was, it's not about that. That's not what it's about. What it's about is the enjoyment of playing the game, the figuring it out. The winning is a, is a beautiful little cherry on top. But the joy is finding the Stephen Brawls that Andrea did and being like, wow, yeah, you really picked that. That was fantastic. Or me picking up uh, Dominic Smith like a week before everybody else did in Tout Wars, which helped along the way. You understand? I think that's what I'm trying to say. And before we move on, I'm curious to hear what both of you very wise men think of this overall scheme and thought. I, uh, well, I mean, I, th- I already put, I like finishing second or third. I mean, if I put $100 in and I walk out with 400 or 900 or 100 I'm good. I hold my head up high and look forward to next year. But it's different, like, because we write about this stuff. Like, so having Yadiel Hernandez hit a home run, he wasn't on any of my teams, but it felt great last night. Like, I've been loving this guy forever. Same with Lewis Brinson. Like, Lewis Brinson finally made my GDD roster. And, I mean, dude's hitting, like, 270-something. He's stealing bases. He's hitting for a little bit of power. He, he looks great. I picked him up in Triple Crown because of you. See? We're, we're finally, I- and I picked up Tyler Wade because of you. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. But that should be the fight. I'm arguing. But this that is fun because be... we have an outlet to say this stuff. Like you're on record saying all these things. And next week when we get right. into the side bets, you'll be on record with a lot of these things that went right. But a lot of people don't have that. A lot of people just have their league and they just got to win. What I'm trying to put out there to the players, 
you should have just had fun doing it. Yeah, is to enjoy the enjoy the ride of it. It's the only way to survive. Like it. you're in an arcade. Like I just like that's when I do my three dollar parlays. I say goodbye to those three dollars. Like I don't. I'm not like counting on the eighteen hundred dollars to come back. This is you paid fifty bucks to enjoy a ride for you know. Well, in this case, two months, but usually it's six months. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah. That, and and that and the the winning at the end the ego the it's about the ego boost isn't it right it's about well wow I'm I'm king of the hill king of the castle king of the castle you know Borat but maybe that's not I just have to I, I, I'm trying and maybe this is just pure self justification on my part to sort of make myself feel better as my closer blows my lead in the last week which may not happen look I may be here next week going I did it I pulled it off it worked. Oh my God, wasn't that crap what I was talking about last week? I was, you know, but no, I don't think so. I think that there's a higher point to it. And what I'm trying to say to all the players out there is if you come to the end right there and you make it all the way to the end and you're in the game, you get to keep playing. Because there are a lot of guys who aren't playing anymore in your league. A lot of guys who are like, ah, I'm done. I'm not even making pickups anymore. So if you're still making pickups in that last week and it still matters, you're playing baseball. You're playing baseball that matters. And that's what it's about, I think. I'd like to say that. DVR, would you like to add on to this two minute rant? I said my piece. I think I need to find ways to be happier with the process because I feel like it is title or bust, and that's a it's kind of a rough way to live. It, it's hard to win fantasy baseball championships. That's my point. That's my point. Oh, that's your point. Because you can feel like a. I can look at every one of these leagues. GDD. In GDD, I finished second. There's no way I'm catching cause, right? And it's possible still I might finish third or even fourth. It's still possible, although I feel pretty strong at 109. I think I'm in pretty good shape. But shouldn't I feel – I could only look up and see that there's a guy who's 20 points ahead, or I can look down at the 13 other fantasy experts who are below. And it's all how you look at it, isn't it? And is it just about winning? Is it only about winning? Because I'll tell you, in how labor – Ronus isn't in this league? Ronus is in this league. He's not in the AL. He's not in mine. Oh, why isn't he in Triple Crown? I don't know. Yeah, how, yeah. How come he's not in Triple Crown? I mean, there were a lot of people I wanted to invite, and I ran out of seats. So <laughs> right. this, this this league could be pretty good. five times bigger, right? I mean, it's it's like TGFBI is the kind of league where you can invite literally everybody, and then the problem with like a twelve or a fifteen team league, even with partnerships, is you fill it before you even invite everybody you want to see. But then even it. look at TGFBI. There's one winner of TGFBI, only one. Whereas there are guys who won their title and they come in third in the overall. You're right. We should boycott that next year. No. I love the concept of TGFBI because there's no financial barrier to entry, right? Like some people can't play 250 for an online championship or four figures for a main event. I totally understand that. It's a shot for everyone to play on one playing field, same platform. And I think Justin Mason created something really cool. It's a lot like Scott Fishbowl in fantasy football, right? Where you just have this this community aspect of this big league. You do some charity to go along with it too. I love that. I think the hardest thing for me about TGFBI is I feel like the quit rate in that league is way too high. Is it? I don't know how that can be fixed. I have no idea. I haven't spoken to Justin about that in particular. I'm sure he knows that's huh. a problem. At the bottom of the leagues, yeah, every year there's a handful of teams. And that's true of most leagues. It's, I'm, not, I'm not picking on TGFBI for having this unique problem. But I think it's, it's one of those things. I've got leagues where my teams aren't doing well, and I'm not as aggressive on pickups and lineup changes as I should be. I, I'll readily admit that. Part of that's been just being busier than ever over the last few weeks. And fortunately, that's getting back to normal. But I mean, we're talking about situations where people don't make pickups for months or don't spend a dollar of their fab right like that's 
Ah, that kind of extreme—that's bad. Well, so that should be that could be accounted for. I mean, I I actually feel that in Tout Wars and in Labor and in TGFBI, that if you don't play the game, that spot should be taken by somebody else. If you're not making pickups, if you're not changing your lineups, that there's no excuse for that. I mean, maybe it's, it's Justin's call. He's CEO, owner of the of the event, but maybe there should be something like that. I could never. I I just don't believe in that anywhere. Like I don't think there's. A, maybe that's why I never really finish in the bottom half rarely well, in the bottom half of the league because i will not stop my pride is too strong like i'm like no especially in tgfbi like the overall counts people are accounting for that moving forward you better make your pickups your name is attached to it i mean at least that's how i feel and if you're not willing to do that then you shouldn't be invited back i think the following year i, I think, think it should that- be a best ball mm. that solves all the problems in the world of people tuning out that solves every single problem. It's a different game, though, but I hear you. It's, but it's already a different game. You're aiming for an overall instead of an individual league title. You've already messed with the rules. No, not really, because it's it's individual like leagues. This it each has its own individual league. But Rasball does that. The Rasball guys, I did that. The the best ball, which is super fun, and like I check in, I go, oh, oh we're doing okay. Tim McLeod, Timmy McLeod and I do that together. I love the Rasball guys. It, yeah, well, they they did a really strong job in in that league. That's fun. I like the TGFBI just the way it is. I just think that maybe you're right that going not for this year because there's been no warning. You know, we can I can suggest this to Justin, but again, Justin is the owner, and whatever Justin wants to do is how it should be done because he created the whole darn thing himself. Get him on the phone. Very enter. Get him on the phone. That's what I do. You'll be able to convince I'll call him, him right after the show. Actually, because I I do love Justin. Every time I call him or he calls me, we always start the phone call the same way. Hi, hey, buddy. I don't even know how it started, but that's how it is every time. So if we have a trade that we want to make, I just go, hey, buddy. He goes, hey, buddy. I like the guy. He's a sweetheart. And he wears a one-piece woman's bathing suit with no shame. So with his face on it. Have you ever seen that picture? I don't know. I don't know what you're referring. Is this a roto uh, roto wear thing? Roto wear roto wear made him. You, you you know Justin's like it's the Justin has his face on like t-shirts and uh, mugs, and he got it made on a woman's bathing suit. And he was with his awesome wife. They they were he he was coming out of their uh, swimming pool, and he's wearing a big like one piece woman bathing suit. He looks fantastic, and he's so proud and, like, feeling so good about himself. And you turn around, and it's a big picture of Justin Mason on his bathing suit. It's fantastic. Truly fantastic. Oh, speaking of Justin, I just want to say Paul Sporer uh, texted me after our last show and gave me a hard time about something. He's like, come on, man. Like, giving Trent Grisham a hard time, like, you got to stop with that crap, basically, is what he's saying. Because we were talking last week. And he said, you were sort of moderated, but like, you know, really rethink that. Will you? Will you rethink that? So I've rethought it a little bit. And I saw something this week with Trent Grisham that I hadn't seen before. He fouled a ball off. And the thing that pissed me off about Grisham last week was he did this like little turn towards the dugout and like nodded at his teammates and then went. It turns out that's kind of how he swings. Because I saw him foul a ball off and he did that turn. I was like, why is he doing that turn? I was like, oh, that's just how he swings. That's how he finishes his swing. So I want to, you know, I want to say that I'm, I'm I'm keeping an open mind to it, and I could be con wrong, wrong con maybe. I'm going with that, wrong con, which is our secret word of the week, wrong con, W R O N G K A H N, hashtag, boom. 
It sounds like you're saying rom-com. <laughs> Almost, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> but but Midnight Run also is out on HBO Max, and I texted my guys, and we're going to watch it together. HBO Max. HBO Max is awesome. Yeah. And your, your wife works for HBO Max. Yeah, I mean, whatever. That's not why. It's, we were watching Doom Patrol. Anyway, let's get to the second thing on our rundown, if that's cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is, that, is that all right with everybody? <laughs> Sorry, con. No, it's all right, man. The people love it. Okay. Well, we don't have to get to number two. We can bounce around a little bit. But actually, you know what? Before that, I would like to give a quick shout out to Roman, uh, who's they're sponsoring the show again. They're back. Um, I don't know what's going to happen after the 17 minute rant, but let's find out. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually it just gets brushed off or it's avoided altogether with excuses. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication's appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash FantasyBaseball and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash FantasyBaseball today. If you're approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash FantasyBaseball. GetRoman.com slash FantasyBaseball. And while you're doing that, check out theathletic.com slash fantasy baseball podcast. Um, that's all you got to do. Go there and you get the athletic for $1 a month. And it's not just fantasy, it's everything from WNBA to Clemson Tigers coverage. Pick it, we cover it, you get it all for a dollar a month. So thanks to Get Roman for sponsoring the show. Thanks to The Athletic for giving us a $1 per month promo we could share here. Theathletic.com slash fantasy baseball podcast. Um, shall we? Shall we dance? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Shall we dance? All right. Uh, I want to get Chris Bubik versus Dane Dunning, but I also want to tie it into this question. We talk a lot about these young pitchers, you know, when, when in a normal year, we go back and we're like, oh, I don't know, man. He only pitched like 90 innings, so I guess next year he's maybe gets to 130, 150. Um, Chris Bubik and, and Dane Dunning, young pitchers. Uh, I think they both showed great things. I don't know if there's one either of you prefers. We can get to that. But I also want to ask, like, what's next year going to look like, especially for these young pitchers? And maybe not just the young ones, maybe everybody who, you know, maybe they throw a bit on the side. Maybe they threw through the entire stoppage. Maybe they'll do some version of whatever the – I don't think the winter leagues are going to happen, so I would assume that they're just on their own where they have to pitch simulated games and then figure out when their rest is. But, I mean, you got to imagine even, like, the best, most professional guys might get up to, like, 110 innings, and then next year, were well, they going to throw 180, 170? People are going to try and throw 220 innings? Um, so let's get into that. DV, let me start with you on that one. Uh, Bubik versus Dunning – or Bubich – versus Dunning, 
And uh, and then w- what's going to happen with these innings? I guess we call them limits, but I mean, even just you know trying to get some kind of innings conditioning going for next year. I'm really not sure what to make of the workloads for next year and, and whether or not we're going to see another big wave of injuries or we're going to see restrictions and teams being careful with everybody or with young pitchers. It's a total unknown. It's one of those things I, I kind of want to see if uh, anybody from any team is willing to sort of shed some light on what their training plan is or, or how they even account for innings thrown that are not competitive innings. This is something we went through with Forrest Whitley a couple of years ago uh, because he was suspended and he was throwing, at, I think, at instructs. And everyone kept saying, oh, he's only going to throw 80 innings or 90 innings in whatever professional setting he gets to. And my argument was, well, he did something while he was suspended. He didn't just lay around and do nothing and let his arm atrophy like that that's not really how how training works right uh, so I, I think you could also make this weird counter argument that no one's made yet that not throwing 180 plus innings might actually lead us to fewer injuries next year players might be mm-hmm. more rested they might go into their their training this offseason healthier than ever and they might come in stronger than ever next year and who knows maybe injuries would be up because guys are throwing closer to their max or something like that right but it could end up being a net positive. It's not impossible, at least. As far as the Bubich versus Dunning question, this is really interesting because I think Bubich is the better pitcher, but I like the White Sox a lot more from a team context now and next year. You just can't imagine a scenario in which the Royals get a lot better in the offseason. We're seeing more Ks from Dunning to this point. We're seeing fewer walks from Dunning to this point. They both have pretty interesting pedigrees, and I think the the great separator here is probably the fact that Dunning has a, a slider, and I think we, we're finding that sliders, like above-average sliders with command, are one of the most effective all-around pitches a pitcher can have, and I think that's probably the one thing in his arsenal that would give me more confidence in him in 2021 and beyond uh, than I would have in, in Bubich, who's still a nice young pitcher in his own right. Ian, you... Uh... You had Dane Dunning on your OOTP team. I traded him to Mike Palucci. Oh, there you go. I did, and he was not. Um, he he was not very highly. Like he didn't have a nice uh, trajectory. He was a thirty-five, if I remember correctly, or a forty. Um, but that being said, I think this season has been the best thing that could have happened for young pitchers, because what it's done, guys like Sixto Sanchez, guys like Dane Dunning, is it's brought them up where they would come up sort of a third of the way through the season, get a really nice six weeks where they could use them as if they were regular pitchers, and then not have the fear of having to do that for four months. So it's like it gives them just – it's almost like an Arizona Fall League for them, just against the top-level competition, a little bit longer than Arizona Fall League. But it does give them that opportunity. It's like, here, let's just get your feet like really not just wet but like soaking – you get some soaking wet feet going into next season. So I, I, I also like what DVR just said about the fact that it could be healthy for arms because it's sort of taking away about 120 innings from the big boys. It's like this will end up being a season where they're not being overused, right? Right. So I think, I think, it, will, I think it will be a net positive for pitchers all around going into next year. I could be dead wrong, um, but that's my, that's my instinct. And if I'm going Dunning or Bubik, um, I'm going Dunning as well for similar reasons. I, I really like the White Sox. I also love, you know, I I like I look at whip. You know, I look at strikeouts and I look at whip. And 
just in 31 innings with a 1.03 whip is just very, very impressive. 22 hits, 10 walks, 1.03 whip in 31 innings with a 3.19 ERA, and a team that's going to be good. I I just think that team is going to be better. It's going to get you more wins. So I'm certainly looking at Dunning as uh, I'll be calling Pilucci. As soon as the season's over and we start doing OOTP again, I'll be reaching out to Pilucci to see if I can get him back. I won't be able to, but I will try. Pilucci. Oh, it was, I mean, what's going on with that? It's weird you're talking like it's still an active league. It is still an active league, and as soon as the season is over, we will all be getting back to it. Is that real? Oh, yeah. You've been talking to Jamie know. on the side? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't. No, no. I haven't spoken to Jamie since the season started. Um, but, you know. That's messed I, up. You just dropped him? No, when the season is over, we'll we'll all there. I would say of the thirty owners that we had, I would say probably twelve to fifteen want to keep going, and uh, and he, and Jamie said he's got twelve, he's got fifteen to eighteen guys who are dying to get in. So we'll we'll figure out a way to make it work for everybody. All right, or we'll let it go. But either way, OTP is fun, and uh, especially if you're not looking at fantasy football. But there are going to be guys. I mean, I, I I'm the I'm the outlier because I'm not watching football or playing fantasy football. So, um, so I'm gonna want something else to, you know, take up that part of my brain when baseball season's over. What a great! But it's been great. What a great it's fantasy great. football season it's been. Has it been? Uh, not really. Everyone's hurt, but whatever. We'll get into that in tomorrow's <laughs> show, the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast with Eric Moody and Jake Seeley. Um, there you go, DVR. Let's get. Uh, well, so on the rundown right now, um, how to handle the final week emotionally. Ian wanted to rant for a little while, but. Let's Did that. I know. Let's skip that and let's go to a, a couple questions. DVR. By the way, fantasy pods at theathletic.com. If you got a question, we'll be here next week. And I just figured out DVR didn't want that. He was probably looking forward to a break from this brutal season that he's had, and uh, we forced him to do it. So sorry. It'll he's be going to win show. towers though. It'll be a fun. Yeah, you got to gloat towers. a little bit. Come on, DVR. It's you want to? Uh, <laughs> you want to pick one? Let's do both. Up to you. Yeah, let's get the one from Mike G first. He writes, with the 2020 season quickly winding down, where do you value Austin Meadows for 2021? Amidst his struggles this year, he just seems lost with the high K rate. Are you buying low, betting on last year not being a fluke? Or what have you seen this season that's giving you pause? Hashtag corn on the cob. I think Austin Meadows is pretty interesting because he peaked, right? His ADP went through the roof after the season he had last year, and, and for good reason. And if you said, what's his ADP for 2021? I'm throwing back a shrug emoji for now. I think he's going to fall a couple of rounds at least, if not several. Several. Here's the weird thing, though. This, I was thinking about this while I was out walking or jogging or playing fetch with the dog or something. I feel like I should have been more focused on the dog, probably, in hindsight. But It's nice uh, of you. Yeah. Uh, Austin Meadows was among the players who was on the COVID IL back at the beginning of the season or around uh, the time mm-hmm. that summer camp started up, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing that's weird to me is that Freddie Freeman... Also went through that, had the virus, talked about how bad the symptoms were, talked to Nick Markakis about the symptoms. Nick Markakis opted out. Freddie Freeman came back, and now he might win the NL MVP. And I think the thing that I I was thinking about was we have no idea how much the physical toll of, of COVID has had on some players. We have no idea how much the mental toll of COVID has had on some players. And we also don't know something unrelated to COVID. We don't know how much the lack of in game video availability has completely changed the outcomes for a lot of players, right? If you look at Yelich and Bellinger and Altuve and maybe Austin Meadows fits into this group too. You look at these guys that are just way off of what they were doing in the past. Their strikeout rates are are way up. You kind of wonder like, well, what's so different? Well, it, it could be any one of those things, a combination of those things. Or it could be some kind of injury that's been underreported because 
reporters are reporting mostly from home and they're not able to see players in the clubhouse with legs and, and arms like wrapped up with injuries. They're not seeing people getting treatment, right? They're, they're getting a lot less information to pass along to us too. So you can't throw this season out. You can't. But I'm still locked into something Todd Zola said on this show a couple weeks ago when I had him on as a guest on a Friday. I think you can take improvement and look at that and apply that more to next season than you can take decline and with certainty say that it's legitimate decline. I, like, I'm throwing away this year for a lot of players. So that's my, that's my easy answer. After that beautiful, nuanced answer, I'm, si- I'm sitting here. That like, a really yeah, that was answer. a very good answer. High end. High end. I'm just throwing away. I'm, like, I've liked Austin Meadows before, and I, I feel like this year, I just try to put myself in their shoes and say, like, this is just a weird year. Let's just get this over with. Some players, some players are like, let me just go all out and be awesome and, you know, play for a contract or arbitration, whatever I'm doing here. I think some are like just let's have like it's just such a wide variety of things that are not quantifiable that we'll never know unless we hear them talk about it in in an interview. That I for most players, unless I wanted to fit my narrative, I'm throwing away this season. I'm not throwing away this season, but in relation to Austin Meadows, and I like Zola's uh, overall idea about buying the upside and not the downside. My problem with Meadows is I didn't I don't own him anywhere this year. I didn't I didn't buy high on him anywhere um, for a couple of reasons. One, his stolen base uh, success rate is just not very high. He Last year, he was uh, stole 12 and got caught stealing seven. That's just the, that's a recipe to me of a guy who's going to run less and less as he gets older. But, but also, I just don't like Tampa Bay players so much um, because I don't trust that they're going to play every day. And there was a period, do you remind me, tell me if I'm wrong, where they started platooning Meadows, where he was sitting against lefties because that's the way they play the game. They really do, you know, I, I would rather, um, you know, somebody like Michael Conforto, was, even though he's hurt right now, is in the lineup every single day. Whereas if I see a guy who might start getting platooned, he's just not somebody who I want to invest in. And he was, I think he was being taken with like third round picks this year. Meadows, I mean, I don't think that's an overstatement. In a 15-team league, I think he was being taken in that area, 43-42. That that was not a spot that I was looking to take Meadows. I'm going to need to see it happen again. He struggled with injury most of his minor league career uh, and sort of uneven play, you know. But there's upside there. And if you can buy him on the super cheap from somebody who's sort of like done with him, that I like. Uh, But to me, he, you know, I want to see it again before anything else happens. And it's not just a judgment on his 205 batting average in 2020, because I think you guys are right about that. It's, it's unfair to really hold him to that. I just, I've never been a huge Austin Meadows believer. Can we uh, jump, like, so interesting, I think, parallel here is Pete Alonso, who's also oh, not, yes. right? Like, this is, this is almost in the same bucket, but I don't know, like, you hear us talk about uh, the Mets maybe firing their GM with the new ownership. I don't know if the coach is going to go out the same way. I don't know what's going to happen there. But manager, but yeah. I mean, well, all right, man, my bad, manager. Uh, yep. I mean, this is supposed to be Carlos Beltran. I'm supposed to be manager of this team. Um, yeah. I, and it's just so weird to me uh, having Pete Alonso on so many teams. Like, my core of all my teams that I, where I could get him, John Carlos Stan, Aaron Judge, Pete Alonso. That's how I built my core in hitting. Um, and just the Pete Alonso was such a sure thing. And now he's Joey Gallo. And on top of that, he's not even playing every day. I don't know what's happening. And I wonder if you could put those two in the same bucket or not. Like, can, are they the same? Is this the same? Can I apply the same? Let's throw away this year because I feel a little more strongly like I can't throw away Pete Alonso's twenty twenty. 
I'm not throwing away Pete Alonso's 2020. I mean, I dropped him significantly in my RotoWire Dynasty rankings uh, in this last update. I, I in a in a big way, and it's also because watching him play in New York, being able to see him play a little bit more often. I don't watch the Mets certainly as much as I watch the Yankees, but it's watching him deal with disappointment. That's a big part of what I'm looking at in a player, and watching his level of frustration. He would, he takes things very hard. He takes things very personally, and I think that that doesn't help him. You know, you got to find a way to reset yourself and capture yourself emotionally if you're going to succeed. Um, and it's something he struggles with. There was actually an article in the New York Post today that came up on Twitter. Joel Sherman wrote where he was asking teams, executives, who, which I think was a ter- really mean to do. And I guess me bringing it up is kind of mean. But asking teams, who would you rather have, Dominic Smith or Pete Alonso moving forward? And if I asked you that, who would you rather have on a, on a dynasty team, guys, Pete Alonso or Dominic Smith? I would still want Pete Alonso. DVR? I would still want Alonso, kind of assuming especially that because he has 80-grade raw power, he's going to keep yes, playing. And Smith doesn't necessarily have a clear position as long as he's with the Mets. But if Dominic Smith gets traded to a place where he could just play first base, perfectly fine as a first baseman, he's, he's probably even above average. Yeah. He's, like he's, yeah, he's quite good. I think you could... I wouldn't have said this coming off of last season. I think you can make an argument that Smith is the better real-life player. I think you can definitely yes. make that argument. I think my problem with Pete Alonso going back to draft season, I probably said it on this show, is that I just saw too much Reese Hoskins in the profile. I know there are mm-hmm. some subtle differences between the two players. I think He doesn't walk as much as Hoskins, though, DVR. He doesn't watch, walk as much as Hoskins, but he's got more power than Hoskins. I also mm-hmm. don't think he hits as many crap fly balls as Hoskins does. I think Hoskins hits a lot of very bad fly balls. Uh, but nevertheless, I mean, we're talking about a guy that is disappointing us and he's on pace. If this were a full season, he'd still hit 40 home runs this year. Yeah. But what's his average? Where, where, where is his average right now? He's at 209 right now. And I'm looking at, I'm looking at the projections. The projections range from 236 to 248. So zips is the lowest. The bat's the highest. He hit 260 last year. How much better than 260 can he hit if he doesn't bring down his K rate? I, I think the answer is he can't. I think that's the almost the best case scenario. If you hit 53 home runs and you still only hit 260, it's because you strike out, right? You don't put enough balls in play. It's not an extreme strikeout rate. It's just that's the limit. Over 25%. I mean, it's it's almost 30%, isn't it, this year? 25.6. So he's, his, his plate discipline is no. the same as last year, really. I mean, the K rate's a little better. The walk rate's a little 56 lower. 56 strikeouts and 191 at-bats. 25.6%. Okay, I'm missing something on the math. I guess it includes the walks then into that. Uh, that would Okay, then that would make sense, that 25.6%. Yeah, I, I, again, I just keep going back to the emotions of it. When I see a guy slam his bat down, like there's a difference between caring and uh, emotionally outbursting. And the emotional outburst, the problem with the emotional outburst is it doesn't let you go to the next moment. He's still, if you, if you pop up and you slam down your bat, you're mad about the 12 at-bats that came before, not that at-bat. You got to focus on the at-bat that's coming. You got to focus on the at-bat that's at hand. And that's not something I'm seeing from, so far, he's still a young guy. There, there is upside on Pete Alonso. I mean, we're talking about him because Nando's like, hey, here's another guy. He's just somebody who this year was being taken in the third round and next year, I think, is going to be taken in the, what, fifth or sixth round? Sixth round or seventh round? Where's he going to go? I don't know. That's what I don't know. Probably he's going to live with Matt Olson, right? I mean, Matt Olson might even go a little earlier because the stat cast numbers are better. And- no, Matt Olson. Yeah, and Matt Olson was going in a, in a similar 
high high level. But Alonso's I mean, getting you know, benched. Where's Luke? Like they weren't afraid, like you know. Alonso got benched for two games. It wasn't it, it, he, and it was a clear your head benching more than it was a you stink bench. I think he's. I think, I think he missed a couple games here and there more than just those two. Okay, I, I noticed it because, yeah. But he's. Uh, it, it's been a very disappointing season on the Pete Alonso front. It really has. There's no question about it. And you know, but I, I think next year he he. There are other first basemen now. I mean, Luke Voigt is now an elite player. We got to mention Voigt Luke Voigt is, wants a show here. Well, it's because he is. Let's see where he is on the. He's like the number seven ranked player in baseball. It's he's, worth mentioning. Yeah, don't I, you think? I, I did some research earlier this week. He's tenth in WRC plus league wide since the start of 2018. Yeah, he's really good. You know, this is really good. Stephen Brault is really good. There it is. He is. I know. We'll, uh, we'll get to him and Nick Pavetta. Go ahead. I think okay, you just well, like it because he's a man of the theater. <laughs> is he a man of the theater? Stephen Brawl is a man of the Stephen theater? Brawl, he was in The Tempest. <laughs> Booyah! Nailed it. See what he just did there? Right there right? That was good, right? That was, really, that was really good. No, Stephen Brawl, I watched him. Remember I talked to him about I talked about him early in the season. I watched him pitch three innings. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy is nuts. He throws from the left side. That stuff is ridiculous, right? And then I was like, yeah, but he's only throwing three innings, so there's no use to him. Then he comes back last week and throws a complete game shutout, giving up like two hits. And then last night throws a six-inning no-hitter. I went and picked him up immediately in Devil's Rejects. Um, picked him up last night. I was like, whoa. When pe- I'm telling you, when next in the offseason this year, if you can still make a pickup, Stephen Brault is a guy to get. Because if you can still pick him up, when everyone looks deep into the numbers and see what Stephen Brault did, and that he's no longer just going to be a two or three inning pitcher, but he's going to be a starter, he's going to end up being ranked as a top 60 starter next year, uh, yeah. I would say. There's a guy, I can't remember if it was Stephen Brault or, ah, crap. Who was a reliever who was throwing 100 in spring training? 2.0. There were two stories. Reliever? Yeah, right? In Pittsburgh, they had uh, Birdie. Yeah, that was it. All right, I get them confused. Birdie and Brault. Brault was going to do some piggybacking, and they said they really liked him. And then Birdie was the guy who was throwing over 100 and had potential closer. What is what is Brault throwing? DVR. What am I? Am I? Am I? Is are my eyes backed up by the numbers? Same stuff overall, just in terms of like what he's got in the arsenal, but he's throwing more change-ups, and that's been his best pitch so far this season. It was a good pitch for him last year, so they were right to scale up the usage of it. It's weird, though, I think, because the changeup has been better, or perhaps because the changeup has been better, he's getting completely different results on his fastball. The velocity's barely changed. He's up 0.2 miles per hour on his fastball, but hitters what aren't is it? feasting How on hard? it. 92.3. They were last year. He gave up 10 home runs. On his four-seamer right? last year, he hasn't given, up, hasn't given up any yet this year on that pitch. I'm telling you, there's movement too, man. I mean, there's movement on that ball. It just looks nasty. I I, I remember seeing I was like, who the hell is this guy? Stephen Brawl, what the heck? And then I was like, ah, oh, well, you know, he's one of those two, three-inning guys starting. You know, he's like a, a bigger opener than a guy who just throws one inning. But now, he, you know, that complete game just made me go, huh? You know, my eyes just bugged out of my head. And then watching him last night. This is very impressive. It didn't get the win, but there's an under-the-radar player for next year already in Stephen Brault. I like it. I, like, they, I, I wish I could, like, this is, like, way, way back in the recesses of my brain, but there was something really nice that was said about Stephen Brault um, by his coaches in a Rob Beertempfel article, and I, I can't remember what it was at this point. 
but it was something it was like something very positive but he was limited by the fact that he would be piggybacking um being like that quote-unquote number five guy who would go you know three Mm -hmm. innings or twice through the order or something um but there was something there that they said that they really liked that i don't know but i perked up when uh when you just casually brought him up on the show yeah I, I I just I saw something then and I see something now and I think it's for real. How about that Nick Pavetta? Right. We got four minutes. Nick Pavetta, I, I mean, this is this is your once a year, wow, look at Nick Pavetta moment, and then everyone's gonna get taken in by it. So I picked him up last night as well, and with the with the hope or the idea that at some point someone's gonna write something nice about him and I can trade him for a draft pick or something. Like seriously, that's what that's what the the thought process is. But he's got I mean Pavetta's got stuff. It just never comes together, but it did last night. I, uh, I'm i kind of interested. You know, I never liked him with the Phillies. Kind of intrigued with the Red Sox. I like it when a guy See, switches teams I mean. and does things, right? Yeah, of course. Like like what happened. And then you, who put in about Byron Buxton in the 13 home runs? That wasn't me. I think that's DVR. I dropped that in there. But hey, one quick thing on Nick Pavetta that I just saw this morning. RJ Anderson had this tweet. This shouldn't surprise anyone, but the Red Sox have already tinkered with Nick Pavetta's release point. He's closer to the third base side, and his pitch mix, he threw 22 sliders in his start on Tuesday, so he's thrown 27 already on the season. hasn't pitched that many innings, but the Red Sox are quietly one of those teams that, with a pitching lab, tinkers a little bit. And Tanner Hook. Is that his name? How do you say it? Tanner Hook? I think that one's Hauk. Hauk. Thank you. But I think with with Pavetta, like, it's never been a talent question with Nick Pavetta, right? It's just been consistency and command, so... He he's the kind of guy who's probably a tweak or two away from at least being on the fantasy radar again. Yeah, and, and those that's the, that's the time to be picking up guys like that right now, going into the off season. Because remember, there's going to be a long off season where people are going to be looking deeper into the numbers and be like, "Oh, Nick Pavetta," and then there's going to be the eye roll of the Nick Pavetta. But there was that eye roll about Dylan Bundy every year until he became what he became this year. Dylan Bundy which cost is Dylan me a Bundy. fantasy championship. You want to tell that story real quick no, before you have to leave? No one wants to hear about my team. Okay. All right. Well, Byron Buxton has 13 home runs and will not steal a base, even though he's the fastest player, one of the fastest players in baseball. Well, why he risk will it, not right? Run. He was this, he yeah, I understand it, too. Yet. It makes sense. You don't have to steal bases when you just take them all one shot, right? Ooh. That's it. Well, that's like Lewis Boom. Brinson. Lewis Brinson's hitting usually has a great OBP. Like, usually he's got wonderful patience. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, if he's hitting 270, his OBP must be like 348. And it was not. And I think it's because he's just hitting the ball. Like, he's seeing the ball and hitting it. So why bother walking? Yeah. Right. Like he's, he's what two seventy four. I don't even know. I got to Google him. I think he was two like two seventy four last time I checked. But that's like three thirty over the last three weeks. He's a two. Yeah, he's down to two sixty one now. Yeah, but it's still fun and it's nice. It's it's always nice when I hear people say, you know, I picked up this guy. Rob Mershak tells me about guys. He's like, you know, I heard uh, uh, Nando talked about this guy and I picked him up. It's been a huge bonus for me this year. So people like when you throw your little uh, your little Nando magic out there. Well, that's the whole point of this show is all three of us have those guys. Okay. By the way, ne- so next week I pulled it. Oh, I thought I had pulled it up. I guess I closed it. No, I didn't. I got it in a different window. Under the radar side bets. We had, we had some crazy stuff in there that I totally forgot about. Madison Bum. We had Tim Tebow over under 10.5 games played in 2020. <laughs> I guarantee I took the You guys both that. said over. I said he's not going to play <laughs> one. That's how I remember that we one. Did. We did not. We had a Kevin. Take the we had a Kevin Crone home run side bet. We had Julio oh, Urias being worth seventeen point five dollars, which I think. Oh, this is exciting! Yeah, I'm that's digging this. Yeah, some, All right, some, we'll get into it next yeah. week, and we can drown our sorrows. Maybe we'll do a maybe we'll do a, a Nando after dark next week. I uh, we'll clink it up. I would love that. I'm actually. I got a friend's happy hour this Friday that I'm very excited about. 
So I'm getting back into it. Like a Zoom happy Amen. hour, but you know. Yeah. Get back to All right, it's twelve thirty. I'm I'm good to stay. I I, I you yeah, know, if you guys want to finish without me, go right ahead, man. I got No, we need you to wrap it up though, so you can go to your meeting because you gotta run, you know. You're 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 you know, you're the godfather. Right. You gotta, you know, wrap it up and let's go. For the man with the greatest two to three minute rant in the history of fantasy baseball, I am Ken. Good goodbye, everybody. It was fun. Sorry, it was like nine minutes, not two to three. <laughs> For the guy who came up with the Iron Can joke very subtly over text. Every once in a while, I get one that lands. Thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed this. We hope it was somewhat helpful. Come back next week when we settle our bets. I don't think we had anything riding on them, but it'll just be fun to see what happened. We love you all. Have a great week. Good luck as your leagues play out. May you... Uh, May you catch whoever's in front of you, and may you be aided by the people behind you in those categories. See you later, everybody. Good talk. Good talk. Bye.